get out. So as soon as they they realized that we were starting to take them out, it was like you can't even walk out the door without them lighting up. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> they're like, oh, we're fine. Some. <laughs> so for you guys, like when you're coming off so, a break, because I mean, in de- it's going to happen. Like every houndsman at some point during this whole journey we're on, like there are things that come up that you have to take a break sometimes. So when you're trying to build those yeah, dogs exactly. back up and getting them ready for action, I mean, what do you feel like is the most important part to start with? Um, Just starting them slowly is like the biggest thing, because like I said, if we just take them out and try and run them, you know, get them nice and conditioned, it, they'll just start blowing pads and breaking nails and stuff. So I think starting off slowly is probably the best thing after a long break, going for hikes with them and, and then slowly doing, you know, runs and stuff and uh, seeing how they are with other game. If you got to trash break them again or, or whatnot, <laughs> ours were, were pretty, pretty much ready for, for bear hunting. So hopefully they can, uh, catch something today today's the beginning of bear season but we we did a couple of scent drakes too just to kind of get them back in in action and you know show them what they're looking for and they just blew those out the water like isaac was like trying to make it really hard for them go on rocks and stuff and he's like i should have made it harder (laughs) (laughs) well you had a pretty important scent drag though like here recently i, I want you to share this story with oh, that yeah. one because you didn't even know that you were like w podcast famous after last i think it was last week or week before <laughs> yeah uh when isaac called he he said that you guys had told him that we were talked about on the podcast uh with our gender reveal we did that sent drag and uh it was my idea i wanted to do something with the hounds so i was but my original idea was maybe like a, a long white sheet or something like that and laying it out and then like dump in the box and have the dog pads painted either pink or blue and then just having them like run and put all kinds of tracks on it. And then oh. I thought about it and I was like, no, I think if we do a scent drag and just put two different trees with the pink balloons and the blue balloons and then, you know, have someone lead the scent to the tree that the gender would be right and see see what they do and we, we did a practice run we were doing a couple scent drugs trying to get the, the dogs ready and stuff and we did a practice run and they they just piled on that first drop of scent and they treed right away they did just perfect um but for the actual gender reveal of course i wanted to practice because you've seen all those gender reveal fails like where they're going to pop a <laughs> balloon and the they oh, actually yeah. let it go or you know what I mean it takes off floating away so I wanted to do a test run because the dogs hadn't been to a tree in, since the winter and uh, they did that perfect but when we went to do the actual gender reveal we had a pizza party and the, the scent was just so hot that they blew past the trees and in the direction of the truck where the tailgate was set up with the pizza and Isaac thought that the dogs were just going to go get the pizza. I mean, there was, I think we had like 15 dogs there. And right. He's the only one that could control them with the GPS, right? Or, I mean, me, but I'm pregnant, so I can't really help much. So uh, 
he kind of starts running over there. And by the time he gets halfway there, the dogs realize that they had blown past the scent. They weren't interested in the pizza. They, they just, the scent was just so hot that they blew past it. And then when they realized they passed it, they turned around and, and right. came and treed. So it was pretty, it was pretty funny. I was like, what's going on? What, what are these dogs doing? Like, <laughs> but uh, they got it figured out. Yeah, so, that, that happens like all they, the time, they right? On the <laughs> That's the best part. That's what we were joking. I'm like, I want to follow up after the baby's born. <laughs> Just to make sure yeah, everybody make sure was right. <laughs> yeah, our our friend that set up the tree, if they would have treated on the wrong one, she would have she would have probably <laughs> <laughs> ruined not it. been cheering them on because once she once she seen that they were on the right tree, she was like, good dogs. And she started, you know, cheering them on to get them to tree harder. But Y'all, that's... That, was a, that was pretty fun. It was, it was always fun to include the dogs. Yeah, it's really cool. Uh, but, you know, something that I'm going to say simple, right? Like we think of that as you're just laying a scent drag and they're going to go to the tree and tree. Like, it, does that not just totally wrap up hound hunting? Like f- people that... Haven't yeah, been in a situation exactly. where scent's too hot. I mean, like, that's exactly what happens. You lay down yeah. a ton of scent. Those dogs are going to drift it. And next thing you know, you think you're losing your lunch and yeah. <laughs> hoping that they were right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, I, and I, then I, there was just so much. There, so, uh, yeah. But it was, it was fun. It was fun. And the dogs, the dogs enjoyed it. <laughs> and then Isaac went up and he popped a few balloons. So it, it, I don't know if that you know, got them a little bit more amped up, but yeah, it sounds like a gunshot. They, they really it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I probably better introduce you so before we get going to too far because <laughs> I've got Teresa yeah, yeah. Lujan is how you pronounce the last name, right? Yeah. Yeah. You and got that right. You want to tell everybody where you're from and you guys have just recently yeah. stepped into the outfitting game too. Yes, sir. So uh, we're from northern New Mexico. We're both born and raised here. And Isaac has been guiding for a long time. And um, we've been together probably going on 12 years now since we were in high school. And uh, our first dog, I wanted wanted a weenie dog. And my sister always had weenie dogs. And she kind of made me fall in love with them. So he was going to buy me, you know, my first dog. And he was always into hunting. He had a buddy that had hounds and he's been around it a little bit. And he had a few hounds when he was a kid. And so his buddy actually had a litter of hounds and he's like, well, this looks like a weenie dog. She'll, she'll like it. So <laughs> she won't know for three months. And I fell in love. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I fell in love and, uh, since then we've been growing our pack and he's been training and we've just been trying to figure it out as we go and i think we've got it pretty locked down now we know it's a a learning process and we'll probably never you know be our best so we're always working to get better and the hounds and dogs come and go so there's always more dogs to train and you know how that goes. Oh, that's the truth. So we've been we've been doing this for like the last eleven years with our hounds, and we still have that that original hound dog that was supposed to be a weenie dog. She's still around. Oh, really? She's rolling with the pack. Yeah. So she's our oldie. So what's and, uh, what's the name of the outfitting just, service then? 
so yeah, he just opened up his outfitting business and it's HCH Adventures. And uh, the HCH, it kind of stands for like a few things. Our hounds, we, we have their brand, it's HCH, and we call them High Country Hounds. And then our horses, of course, High Country Horses. So uh, basically it stands for like High Country Heaven, High Country Hounds, High Country Horses, High Country Hunting. That whole that whole experience is what we're trying to offer. And um, I know a lot of people, when they think of New Mexico, they think of desert, but we're in the, the southern portion of the Rocky Mountains. So it's really like a little, uh, like a mini Montana. Mm-hmm. That's what I like to call it. Sometimes I'll post videos of the high country and, and people are just blown away that it's New Mexico. They can't believe it. Yeah, but, when, uh, when you say high country. We've ever known, so. It's high yeah. too. I mean, you were just so telling me we, what kind of elevations yeah. are you guys at? So we live uh, in the valley, and that's about seventy five hundred feet. And then our high country is up above the valley, and that's it, it starts about like ten thousand feet. And then once you get to the alpine skyline, that's um, above alpine. I mean, into the skyline, that's about twelve thousand feet. So pretty high. And we go up there with the dogs and we go horseback riding and fishing and there's a big horn sheep up there and we got elk and mule deer and we've got bears and mountain lions and bobcats. So we've got a whole lot of game out here to hunt and a lot of country to explore, but we just dealt with that um, huge fire that it was like 365,000 acres by the time they got it out yeah it was huge a lot of our hunting ground got got burnt so we're just kind of learning as we go how to how to figure out uh hunting now that some of our areas are gone and some of the areas that are still intact they're closed because of the flash flood uh warnings and possibilities we've been having really bad flash flooding down in the valley because all of the mountains surrounding the valley or what burns so everything when it rains everything that you know falls is coming straight down to us and any um county road is turning into a river once it rains it's really crazy oh i can imagine we had um yeah we had some flooding in our kennel too we kind of prepared for it a little bit we had some sandbags and stuff but you don't know where the water's going to go until the water shows up so uh (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So we had to rearrange a few dogs, and yeah, that's that's been life lately. Is just trying to get back to normal. Yeah, that fire. I mean, and bear season okay, so. It's hard. I mean, because a you guys got limited time to get out. I mean, season is relatively short. Um, and when you got fires that come through like that, like you and I were chatting earlier, it's it's not like it's just one year that's lost you know you're you're fighting that for the next like here where i'm at some of these fire scars they're still not really growing anything you know there's not a huntable population of much in a large chunk of land for the last 15 20 years because it's just never came back yeah the the devastation that it does to the wildlife is just unbelievable yeah it's pretty crazy so like all that ground was that primarily big game hunting or like bobcat ground for you? Cause you guys are hunting 
pretty much everything, right? Yeah, we, we hunt everything. We Anything we can hunt, we try and hunt. Um, one of our favorite bear areas is just completely nuked. Mm. Um, that was like our absolute favorite area to go hunting for bears. and It always seems to have a good amount. And um, a lot of the private land is what got devastated and some like mountain communities. I, I know it burnt, I want to say at least, 300 homes but i know there was more by the time by the time it finished so um a lot of it was down low but it it did creep into our wilderness and uh that was really prime elk country and obviously lion and bear uh and bobcat so so we still have some areas that we're we're lucky to have but i mean it, it just like from where i'm at at the end of the valley you could see this peak way in the distance. It's like, uh, like 30 miles away from where I'm at. And the fire started at that peak and it just came all the way creeped. Well, didn't creep. It ran through the valley and it just like within one night, I think it had burned through like three or four different communities. And the next one was headed for with us. So it was pretty crazy, like yeah. having to evacuate and stuff. Um, we had the basically our entire county was under evacuation because we had this huge fire on one end of the county, and then there was actually another one that was. It wasn't the same size, but it was pretty dang close to it, and um, those ones were burning at the same time. So our whole county was on evacuation, and we have. I don't even, I don't even know how many dogs, at least 20 dogs and, uh, six horses. So, you know, having to evacuate those and like not knowing where to go because all our family lives in the County and to pack up, you know, 20 hound dogs and all these horses and, and head out was really not an option for us. So we basically just hunkered down and, uh, use generators for power to power up our freezers to, we have three freezers with wild game and uh, the power was shut off as a precaution because right. the fire was, you know, running through the communities. And so we had no power, no cell phone service for those. The power was at least a good week. And then they sh- they turned it on in some areas once the fire had passed and it was safe to do so. So, um, we had no cell phone service for like a month and I'm, in some areas we have cell phone service, but at home we're still dealing with absolutely no service. And, uh, I, I, we landed up kind of just bouncing around with the hounds and the horses. Um, like I said, it's a, a, a big Valley that we live in. So once it passed the lower end of the Valley and it was headed for the, the top half, we took the horses and hounds down to my parents and hunkered down there for a few days until it, it ran through and uh, it was pretty crazy where all of our family were separated and it was like pretty apoc- apocalyptic. It felt like it is right for uh, a while. Yeah. Well, for a while we're, we're using the generators and stuff. And then um, the gas stations were, would were turned off because as a safety precaution. So it, it just, it was like, you're like searching your, 
my parents' yard to see if they have an extra can of gas or Isaac's grandparents to see if they don't have an extra can of gas so we can run the generator for a few more days and have have our meat uh, frozen. And and then the dogs, just having poor them. I felt so bad for them having to deal with that smoke. Yeah. Um, and just be, be away from home. And, and we actually landed up, I, I think it had to have been the move, uh, back and forth, we had a litter of pups, and a oh, couple geez. of them caught parvo. And then, past one of the big dogs got it. And when the pups got it, he, one of them threw up a worm. So I took him to the vet, and we were treating him for tapeworms. We didn't even know that it was parvo, so I was like, not even you know quarantining them. And right. one of the big dogs ended up getting it, and we lost two, two four month olds and one nine, uh, nine or 10 months old to it. So oh, dang. it was, it was rough. And then just now trying to get back into the swing of things, right? getting ready for hunters coming out and season starting. Yeah, it's wild. I mean, like we've yeah. helped with some evacuations and, you know, any of our listeners for the most part are going to understand like the animals in those situations. It's tough because a, they're freaking out usually. You know, we've helped move a lot of stuff over the years living here in Southern Oregon. But with just going through that, before we dive into your hunting more and the dogs, is there any tips you would have for, I mean, in this situation? Because the fire spreads so fast, you know, you don't have time to really do a whole lot. I know like for us, when fire season hit and things were getting close, I used to strap telemetry collars on my dogs because I knew if I was away or, you know, there was not room if we've got family stuff in the truck. Like I knew if a dog slipped out in a panic situation, I could at least track that dog down because trying to load them up in that mess. Yeah. And, you know, we've been to where there's sirens everywhere and it's just so much a distraction. Like, do you have any good tips and things you wish you would have had more prepared for that? It's the one thing that helped us a lot, we use the um, dogs or tree tie out. We have like one of those two of like those oh, yeah. tie outs or whatever. So having one of those is like really good. If you need to get out in a pinch, you just load all your dogs up and you get your, your tie out and then you can go wherever, you know what I mean? If you got to go camp out or something and you have a place for your dogs that, that helps us a lot. I'm glad that we had that. Um, Honestly, having enough dog food on hand mm-hmm. because when when we got evacuated and stuff, all the roads got closed, and we live in a mountain mountain town, and there's not a, a big R tractor supply. That's where we get our, our dog food from uh, for you know forty five miles or thirty miles. So when the roads closed, we were like trying to figure out who who can get in, like. What police officers do we know? What firefighters do we know? Can they bring us some dog food? <laughs> yep. We don't have any dog food. So, I mean, having enough dog food would be would have been a huge help um, to have it on hand. And um, I really don't know what what else like that. Like you say, a, a collar on them is a really good tip because even if. Um, so, like you said, the fire moves so quickly, even if you aren't home and someone lands up on clipping them or, you know, yeah. turning them loose just to save them, at least you can 
you can track them and name callers always having your your information on them. That's a huge deal. Oh, that's um, that's the biggest. I mean, I swear when people yeah. ask like, "Oh, what what's the most important? I'm just starting out. I need to get tracking equipment and this and that." And it's like, "Okay, first most important thing is your nameplate collar." Like, do you have a good one? Because in the end, that's what's going to get your dog back. I mean, it's a last ditch resort. But yeah, the telemetry callers, they worked pretty well. I mean, that because you don't have to worry about them going dead. Yeah, it's old, antiquated in a lot of people's eyes. But for their purpose, you know, they still do the job. And man, I just hate to think if my neighbors let my dogs out, I would be very grateful. But I want to make sure I can find them at the end of it. Yeah, exactly. Like now with the flooding, if if our neighbors were to see our our dogs were getting flooded out and they, you know, let them go, as long as they have a a nameplate collar, I feel a little bit better about that. And then the freeze brand helps a lot too, because, you know, sometimes things happen to those nameplate collars or, or someone can take it off or whatever, but at least that freeze brand, you still have a, a way of identifying that dog. Do you guys do your we own actually have a few freeze brand? Yeah, yeah, we do our own. We have a few that need need theirs um, done now that season's here. So, um, but that helps a lot. Making sure that you can you can find them, or people can, can know that they're your dog, or contact you if they find them. That that's a huge a huge deal. Yeah, I feel like and that. I, know, I was really stressful for the dogs. I don't know what we could have done to to make it less less stressful for them. I mean, no, I think you hit the big ones. We were. I that is exactly what I was going to say. Is you know, I used to have a real bad habit of keeping just a bag of food that I was feeding, and when I needed it, I'd go to the store. Um, but you think yeah, about exactly. those situations and the stress involved, and then you're changing their diet. And I mean, it, it'll wreak havoc on them, really. Yeah, it does. It does. One is changing their diet that you, you know, how that affects them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's uh, horrible. And, and even if we were half, we did have to, you know, travel far, at least we'd know we'd have enough dog food to get us by for a while. You know, 20 dogs, one fifty pound bag isn't going to last more than two or three days. Yeah, you're feeding 20 dogs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the tie-out. I think that's another the, good the one. Well, it just, it helps because we didn't have to worry about, you know, dogs fighting or being tied too close or all we had to do was have a couple steaks and the tie out and we were able to get everyone lined up pretty quick. And I wish I would have taken a picture of them all, all evacuated. Maybe Isaac has one. We'll have to look and oh, see. You should send it, it to guys, him. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to look and see if I find one or ask Isaac if he took any, cause it, it was wild. And our friends, they have, uh, they have dogs too. And they're right on the other side of the mountain as us. So, the fire was going in both directions. And as soon as it hit us, it hit them. So we we're kind of like back and forth, like and checking on each other. And if they needed dog food, we would grab them some, or if we needed, they would grab us some. So it was, it was a little bit hectic there for a while, but things are starting to go back to normal. And 
um, the forests are opening up and hunting season is starting. The fire is out. Completely. And you're working. <laughs> They're um, out hunting and you're working you're not today. Working. No. The dogs are out hunting, hopefully catching. <laughs> but yeah, I'm working. But I, at least I got a, I got to go get an antelope um, this weekend, this past weekend. So oh, nice. I got a little bit of action. Yeah. So you yeah. right now you said it's bear season's opened up. Hey, how, how much uh how much hunting are you guys doing this season for clients? Like did you take on a pretty big load this year? Uh no, we didn't want to take on too much just because it's our first year and it's just Isaac and uh my cousin that are the houndsmen and, and our other buddy, he has hounds too, so but he does fire, so he can only help us out when he can. Um and we don't want to bite off too much, you know, more, more than we can chew. Right. So we took on, uh, we had a, two clients this week, so hopefully we could take them out. And our bear season, um, we don't have a spring bear. So it starts now in the fall and uh, that's August 15th and or 16th, whatever today is the 16th. So August 16th, it starts and then it'll run until September 1st. And okay. then during September, you can still hunt bear, but you can't use dogs or rifles because it's, it's archery season. Oh. So, um, like, if you see a bear and you want to get it with your bow, you can do that, but you can't run hounds. So, we have to wait until archery season ends at the end of September, like around the like the 25th or something. And then uh, bear season picks back up for hounds until I think our for our area it runs until like mid November, but we do have a quota. The sure. state's divided up into zones, and then each zone has a has a quota. So just depending on what what comes first, the sure. date of the closure or the the quota being met. So we hunt quite a bit. Um, we don't have any hunters for the the fall season. So Isaac's really been wanting to get a bear for himself when he was younger and you know hunting as a kid he got a few bears like spot and stock but ever since we've had hounds he's never taken a bear under the hounds and and the first bear we caught with the hounds is the one i got so he's like well once october comes i guess i'm gonna get me a bear <laughs> well it was nice to let you so go first <laughs> and that was a pretty bear yeah no kidding yeah well um that bear I had been eyeing for a long time because he was a, a town bear. So a lot of people knew about him. He was very nocturnal. And uh, I got lucky that he was in the right place at the right time where we could run him with the dogs and, and catch him. Because every time we'd, we'd hear about him, he would, he would only coming out at night into town where we couldn't hunt. And you can't hunt at night. So... Right. We were just patiently waiting, and he was pretty popular because everyone would see him. And one of my cousins even hit him with her car, and I was like so devastated. I'm like, no, my bear's dead. <laughs> <laughs> so they gave him a fish. He ended up setting because he was he was very bad bear, a trash bear. And we have a few local restaurants in town, and he was getting into their grease trap and you know into their dumpsters and. So they called Game of Fish, and Game of Fish had, had been trying to trap him too. So it was a, it was a good bear to get out of the area. And um, Isaac, of course, he he let me he'll let me go first with anything. 
But now he's really been like, I got to get myself a bear with the hound, which I don't blame him. Right. Um, I was eager to do that. Oh, yeah. It's and then uh, pretty cool experience. Yeah, then once bear season ends, we, yeah. Once bear season ends, we'll roll over into um, archery elk. So he'll hunt archery elk for September. He has a couple clients for that. And then uh, back to bears for the month of October. And some more elk hunts in October. And then deer towards Halloween. Yeah. He has an, a good public land deer hunt that he's looking forward to. And then we got a couple of... Uh, clients coming out for cow elk in the winter and for um bobcat and lion so we're looking forward to that and then of course the baby will be here around that time yeah that'll be exciting <laughs> yeah so you guys stay pretty busy i mean guiding everything yeah yeah we had we actually even had two turkey hunters in the spring too so we've been we've been at it since the spring um but then, of course, the fire kind of put a damper on on our summer right. again. Well, so, so I guess I I got a question before I ask my question. Do you guys run like a mutual pack, or do you have your dogs and his and run a like combo, or how do how's your guys's pack dynamic? No, we no they're all, they're all both of our dogs. It's a it's a mutual thing. He just whichever dogs are eager to get out in the morning or, you know, not so sore. Mm-hmm. He always has his, his favorite ones that he takes out. Different that, than your favorite? Behind the, the old... No, no, my favorite too. The, the spoiled one that has a bed right next to my bed. <laughs> <laughs> He's always out no matter what. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so, yeah, we just try and rotate them as much as we can because we'll feel bad if we don't take them all out and you know, some stay behind. Yeah. And uh, we have like, I think we only have like half of the amount of collars for the amount of dogs we have. So we can't take all of them out and, and all of them wouldn't even fit in the box anyway. <laughs> so we kind of have to do split the packs up and just mix and match here and there. Hey, I know a guy if that we, could help like you with that. <laughs> if you need more collars or a bigger dog box. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm going to need some more. Oh, man. For sure. And a bigger truck for the bigger dog box. Yeah, no kidding. Especially when you're going to have a little one in tow. You got to have room for everything. Yeah. But hounds have, hounds are definitely the, the center of our world. Our world definitely revolves around that. And our outfit, he does do, like I said, um, elk and mule deer, turkey, all the other species but the bear and the lion and the bobcat that's that's our focus that's, and that's the passion we, we have the fun and our dogs get to get out and we get to get out with them so so what's your favorite out of those <laughs> are you a bear hunter or do you lead more towards the lion um uh, my favorite would probably be the bobcat hunting just really? they're they're just they're just so cool and uh they always give us a challenge yeah. no matter what like we have this one bobcat we we always cut his track in the same spot this winter and every time we you know we him he would pull the run around and one time that the dogs had him treed we get there and it's a canyon 
and there's a log across the canyon and the dogs are just treed on that. So I don't know if he walked across that log or, or he was on the left-hand side of the canyon, the right-hand side of the canyon. Uh, Me and Isaac did circles on the snowmobile. We did circles hiking. We, you know, tried to get the dogs to find a scent again. And we looked for a track and we just never found him. And, and then the next time Isaac chased him, he took him on a, you know, one of those hell hikes where he, takes you up one mountain down the other and then up 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 the next one. Oh yeah. So uh I, I just like bobcats because they're a little bit more challenging and more work for the dog, I think, because the the track is a little bit smaller and our dog is always wanting to just once he once he smells that it's hot, he just wants to run right through it. Yeah. <laughs> so I think like, no, it's not fresh enough. Yeah, put your nose down. So, do you like run the same dogs like, then? I think. I mean, with that, like, is it hard running the bear dogs on the the cat dogs with getting them to do that? Like, being smart enough to slow down and work it out because that I think is the biggest challenge. I mean, some of us will face is switch hitting from big game like bears over to something like a cat that leaves way less scent. They're pretty tricky. It, what are you guys yeah, doing to get them to? to switch over is there anything you're doing to help them or just let them figure it out really the only thing we're doing to help them is getting down and and walking it out with them you yeah. know what i mean not just expect them to figure it out on their own and because sometimes sometimes all it takes is for you to go and find that track where they missed it and and show it to them or you know get mm-hmm. them to take that one instead and and that'll that'll do it but that's like that's the the biggest thing that we do for bobcats like for a lion we'll find a track and let them down and let them let them figure it out you know what i mean right but for a bobcat we we basically get down since the very beginning and and start walking it out with them and don't don't let too many dogs out of course on that track because then you'll lose it forever yeah (laughs) no i think that's the biggest um biggest like tip I've gotten is walk the track out and I am not a cat hunter by any stretch of the word, but you know, you think about all the races that they're just boohoo and, and the cold trailing for a long time. And then it goes instantly jumped. Well, that cat was like bedded down somewhere, right? It was eating or, or sleeping or something. You don't know if that jump point is 50 yards past where your dogs lost it or five miles past where your dogs lost it. But if you don't go, I mean, you could be missing a lot of opportunities for a totally catchable cat, even though the track that you've ran so far was garbage, it could instantly change. Yeah, exactly. Walking it out definitely has, has made a big difference. We've noticed. Um, Cause then like sometimes the, the cat will, bobcats will go in a tree and then they jump from treetop to treetop and the dogs are still treed there and the bobcat came down two or three trees, you know, up the mountain or whatever. So mm-hmm. just, just looking around and, and looking for tracks and, you know, seeing if you could actually see the, the snow going up the tree where the bobcat climbed it or something and helping your dogs out and not not getting mad at them for not being able to figure it out, just helping them try and figure it out. That, that makes a big difference, I think. And, you know, doing the bigger circle, once you lose the track, just 
circling around that area and then if you can't find it there doing a bigger circle that that's helped us out a lot and like you say um you can have just like a really really crappy track and you're just trying to figure it out and then when you when they do find that that point that the the cat was either set it up or like you say that they jump it it's just it's a whole other game once the, the dogs find that sense um for Isaac's lion that's that's kind of how it was. He got a, a nice calm this um, this January, and we were bobcat hunting, and we landed up cutting this tom track. And it, it wasn't like the the best track. It didn't even look like that big of a cat, but we decided to run it anyways. And the dogs landed up pushing past the snow, and they were on the sunny side. And uh, we hiked around to them. Um, we're kind of trying to help them figure it out and the track looked like it was going back the other way and so anyways we just kind of messed around with them for a while and helped them figure it out and as soon as they hit that fresh scent like five minutes later the cat was trees and yeah. we had been you know on that mountain the whole the whole day messing around trying to figure out where it went and trying to get the dogs on the right scent because it had been it had been um, laid up on that mountain for a while. So there was, you know, tracks going different directions and stuff. And once they found that fresh one, they were able to take it and landed up being one of the biggest cats that we had seen in the tree. So, oh yeah. Uh, and you were within yeah. probably a quarter mile of them, you know, for most of that time trying to figure yeah. it out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The cat was probably there, you know, listening to us arguing yeah. <laughs> <or something. laughs> yeah it's it's pretty crazy i mean and i know like me personally i am not one that really pushes my dogs like as far as going in and helping them just with the style of hunting i've had to do lately it's kind of you're gonna have to figure it out or i've been fairly lucky enough you could go try to find another one you know but because of that i back myself yeah. in a corner too because i don't have dogs that are just going to sit there and grub, you know, they can trail, but they're, they're not mentally as tough. I think as some of the other dogs or stubborn, maybe stubborn is a better word that you could put them on just a, a horrible track. And they're so geared towards trailing that they would just grub and grub and they grub all night. Yeah. You know? And, and I think that yeah. doing like you guys, you know, when you're trying to hunt old tracks or especially when you got a paycheck riding on it, which I mean, I'll tell you, that's, I think one of the toughest gigs out there is our, our guides and outfitters. Cause you're PR, you're a houndsman, you're a businessman. You wear so many hats doing that, that it's, it's amazing that guys can go through that and still enjoy what we do. Like it just shows the love and the passion for what we do to be able to, Go through some of that because I know clients aren't easy and you got to have dogs that'll, that'll perform under any situation. So that's what I hear a lot of is just walking it out, making them stick with it, help them where you can. And it's kind of going back to that old school way of the, the dry ground Southwest, right? Those guys are just, they'd figure it out and kind of point those dogs in a direction and, and do part of the work and work as a team. And man, I think it makes a different kind of dog for sure. Yeah, it, it really does. Um, 
when you work as a team, like you say, and, and you help the dog out and the dog helps you out. Like you'll hear them sound off somewhere and you go over there and you say, okay, well, here's the track again. And then you kind of walk it out more and then the dog loses it and you find it for him. So mm-hmm. it really does, does make a difference in the, in the dog when you, when you help them out and you don't just expect them to, to do it all. Yeah. And, uh, like you say, you, you are holding a, playing, holding a, 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 wearing a lot of hats as an outfitter and a houndsman and all of that. And, uh, we, we were talking about it. We we're like, well, let's see, this is our first, first year in business. Let's see if we're going to love hunting as much as we did before. Yeah. We weren't doing it for other people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Now you have all the paperwork and all that to deal with. So, but we're, we're ready because all the, the stressful stuff, the paperwork and that is behind us. And now we can just hunt yeah. and hopefully try and make the clients happy and, and um, bring them back and, and take, send them home with some bears and lions and bobcats. Yeah. So are you hunting the clients, I mean, off was, of horseback too, or is that something you guys do more as a pleasure, you know, personal thing? Yeah, he advertises it to, to hunt off horseback. And if he has a client that is, that's comfortable with horseback, we, we do that. And um, we love to ride in the summer. So if, if there's a client that's up for the challenge of a dry ground lion, he's up for the challenge of or trying to get him one. Um, this year he caught, he caught one dry ground lion. And then the next day he landed up catching a split, a split race, two dry ground lions. So, I mean, it's good work for the dog. And, uh, if, like I said, if someone is up for the challenge of, you know, cause it's it's way different than looking for a track. You find a track and you know, the lines there Sure. when you're, when you're just free casting, the dogs have to do the work and you have to trust them that they're, you know, doing, doing the right job or chasing the right animal or whatever. Right. And, um, so yeah, horseback, we like to do that a lot, but of course, most of our lion hunts happen in, in the winter, but we're up for the challenge. If, if we have any clients that are up for the challenge of a, you know, like a spring or summer hunt on horseback. Yeah. So like when you say dry ground, I know that geography wise, you know, it's a bit different than like what people think of when they think of the Southwest, probably where you're at, but what, what are the setting conditions like it? And specifically, I'm wondering like soil, are you guys working with like good sand holding dirt that's dry or is it more like, I don't know, granite or Sandy. I'm assuming you guys are more vegetation, obviously way higher altitude. Yeah, we, we, of vegetation out here so it's not like like southern new mexico or even central new mexico that's you know cactus and sandy and and all that we're we're in aspen trees and pine trees and um grass basically it's the ground ground cover so it's not not dirt we're not hunting on dirt i mean some areas there is less grass but but just more bare ground. Bone dry. Yeah. 
There's just not there's just not snow on the ground. You know what I mean? It's it's still high country. We have right now the valley is so lush from all of the the rainfall. I know it's crazy thinking it burned how up green and it's it soaked. Burned <laughs> burned all summer, but it's it's really green now. Yeah. So um, it's not necessarily like bone dry or like sandy like. Our buddy, we have a buddy that's from uh, central New Mexico, and Isaac will be talking to him like, man, it's been such a dry winter, like we haven't had any snow. And he laughs because he, he's really dealing with no snow down there. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. He's like, yeah, you, like you think you have no snow, but... <laughs> Did they come up and hunt with you no. guys up there then with those, those dogs that are running yeah. down like in the desert? Yeah. They come up and hunt with us. Yeah. He comes up and hunts with us and then we go down and, and hunt with him. And so it's, it's good to, to take our dogs to different areas like that. And, uh, last year, no, two years ago we went and hunted with him and, uh, that was the first time I had been out there and, Isaac's like, do you see that mountain over there? That's the one mountain we don't want to tree a bear on. <laughs> so I'm that's like, where okay. they go. <laughs> Sounds good. That's the one mountain we caught the bear on. Oh, yeah. It was a five-hour hike into the tree and oh, then another five-hour hike out. And we didn't even end up hiking out the way we went in. We just went up and over the mountain and got picked up on the other end. Oh, my gosh. But, that yeah, makes for a full so. day. It's rough. It's it's rough country out here. So what? Deep deep canyon, deep uh, deep mountains and deep canyons. So what's it like for your dogs, especially going from like where you're at down to that desert, or vice versa? Those dogs. Do you see like any changes in the dogs, or do they know like kind of to honor those other dogs and and just tag along until it's good enough what's it like switching i mean to me that's as big as switching from bears to bobcats right like we're dealing with the physical scent there but the difference between where you're at in the desert you're dealing with scent retention which is way different how are those dogs stacking up like out of their home element for the most part they do okay uh the one thing I notice is they do get a lot harder, a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I noticed when we're out there, like, they weren't rigging as much. We basically just had to drop them until we, we, spent, we you know, pick up a scent. But up here, I don't know if it's because maybe more humidity or something in the air. But we go driving and it seems like, like we just wait for a rig. We never have to, you know, jump off the mountain and hike them down this canyon see if we spook or pick something up yeah you know what i mean to start and uh down there it seemed like the only thing we rigged was a dang skunk <laughs> <laughs> so i don't know if the i don't know if the humidity has anything to do with it um but other than that they seem to do fine so other than the strike i mean yeah other than that it seems it seems like they hunt just fine once they're, you know, on the ground with the other dogs. And now I'm going to have to bug a, a couple more dry ground guys. Cause I, I'm wondering, like my thought process is 
in your kind of country, I mean, I would say it's kind of probably similar to what I'm hunting mountainous stuff, way higher elevation. But I think the ability to track, or I'm sorry, to strike a track is way better. Like in your conditions where that scent's going to hold, even just like the trees and the wind flow is much different than down like in the desert. I feel like the odds of rigging the animal is better out in that desert. Like you're going to have to be more on top of them. They're, they're actually striking the animal and not so much the track where you got like more leniency where you're at. Cause that scent holds longer. Yeah, exactly. Like when we, when we rig something up here, we're not trained right away though. Like you say, we're, we get down and look around and there's the track and that's what we start them on. And then, you know, mile later that's when they tree um so i'm curious about that too i i guess i never really paid too much attention as far as you know going from up here to down there they seem to do okay um like i said other than the the heat yeah what really gets to them so do you do anything to combat that or are you guys just hunting earlier in the morning or later in the evening well, what I have done um, last year, I haven't done any this year. I'll pro- I might do it with my antelope. But uh, from all of the elk and the deer that we have killed, I got the, the bones. And then I made a whole bunch of bone broth for them. And I was just, you know, mixing that with their dog food to kind of give them a little bit more, like, glucosamine and chondroitin. Yeah. And keep them a little bit more hydrated. And that seemed to help. Um we had we had a few dogs last year that were giving us getting us scared because they were getting pretty overheated and dehydrated and obviously that's never good. Oh, that's so, scary. Um, and they're never had, the same. Uh, yeah, I had done some research. Yeah, and I had just decided to start doing that like with what I could and not wasting all the bones, and that seemed to help. So I'll probably do that again now with my antelope and, and get them something for, for the rest of their season. So that way they have a little bit more yeah. stuff to keep them hydrated. You know, I've, I used to have this thing. I haven't packed it in years, but if I was running like daylight, you know, hot hours again, I used to always carry, it was basically like a car chamois, you know, like for, for drying your car off. But it, I think it was called a cool towel. And they were really big. Like when we were showing dogs, all the fancy show dogs had them, you know, cause you had to keep the hair just right and keep the dog cool. And you know, it's this big dog and pony show, but I used to carry one with me because just with a water bottle, I could put it in the container. It would hydrate. And then you wring out the excess. And if you just leave it out in the air, even when it's super hot outside, it would cool. And then I could, put my dog's feet on it, you know, or I could hold it on their feet because that's where you want to get them cooled down the fastest. If they're getting to that heat stroke danger zone. Um, yeah. but that was super great because you could wring it out and it didn't weigh anything, you know, a couple of ounces. It's basically like a reusable towel and it worked killer. I just, again, I don't hunt during the day anymore. I don't have to deal with that kind of heat. But I knew using that on the dog pads made a huge difference in getting them cooled down, you know, or even rubbing alcohol 
is not real fun if they got a hurt foot, you know, you'd want to be very careful, but as far as getting them cooled down, you know, that that's a rough situation that can go south super fast if you're not prepared for heat exhaustion. Yeah, it, it's scary. Uh, you know, you're out there in the middle of nowhere on the mountain and your your dog is starting to wobble or you just know, you know when they're at that point where it's not, not good, dangerously yeah. overheated and you got to get them cooled down quick. So that's a, a smart thing to carry with with us i never thought about that but i have seen those cool towels and i know they work really good um we <clears throat> just put on the truck because we didn't have any last year and we're dealing with like i said the dogs overheating and stuff so we made sure to carry at least eight gallons of water on the truck with us yeah. and uh have that for the dogs because sometimes you go somewhere and you can't find water to save your life and uh that's always good to have, but a cool towel seems like a really, really good investment to to just keep on hand. And, and, and just knowing the signs too, and and knowing your dogs and paying attention to the conditions. Yeah, it's uh like I said, they're super cheap. They seem to work. I mean, and they make your dog. We throw it over their back too, or or whatever. You can use it on yourself. I've thrown it over my neck lots of times when it's hundred degrees outside. Yeah. I went to uh, California a couple, a couple of years ago and I did a pheasant hunt out there and they had the um, German short hair pointer. And of course in California, the heat is outrageous. God awful. Yeah. And, uh, at, like at, at the end of their, their field, cause it was a, um, like a, a farm they were farmed birds they weren't like it wasn't like out in the in the wild or anything like sure. that it was just on a farm so in the field in the field that you would hunt the pheasant on each end of the field they had um these giant like sock tanks full of water and they would just get the dog and throw them in there and just hold them in there not obviously not in the water but <laughs> make sure their legs submerged and you, know, you just hold the dog in there until they um stopped panting and, and cooled down because overheating is, is really dangerous for a dog and it can kill them and cause brain damage and all that. So, yeah, that's what the old timers always said is once they heat stroke, they're done. You, they're never going to be the same. They're yeah. just off. They got to screw loose. And one day, you know, things might be fine and like, they're so susceptible to having it happen again. It's just like, it's scary. Yeah. It, it, it is. And it's, it's good to know, know the signs and to just uh, like your dogs, but they, they have heart. Our dogs have heart and they will push themselves until they fall over. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if you don't, if you, if you don't stop them or, you know, make sure that they're not overheating themselves, then it could really turn into a bad situation. Oh yeah. And that's where the partnership comes in. Cause it, like you said, they're going to go until they can't go. Um, you know, where you yeah. as a handler, you're, you're watching it and keeping an eye on things. And, you know, it sucks to pick a dog up when you're, you know, potentially a hundred yards from catching something sometimes, but you know, if the dog wants to live another day, you know, we all want to have that next hunt with them. Sometimes you just got to suck it up and do it. Yeah, and um, 
one of our older dogs who he's older and he's a little bit heavier he got pretty heavy this off season so we have him on diet and uh i i told isaac you need to watch him because i would rather him be sore for a few days you know because his hips and stuff they're giving out on him already i'd rather him be sore for a few days than than us lose him to heat stroke the the soreness that that we can deal with but heat stroke i mean there ain't no coming back from that no no well that's awesome we'll have to get isaac on here sometime too when he's not running around and leaving you to work because i've had some great talks with him too and you know i i wanted to reintroduce uh, everybody too um because you've been contributing to our ambassadors blog too with some articles and i know you said you had some others you might do so where can people find you guys and, and your outfitters, uh, like Instagram, Facebook? So uh, my Facebook and Instagrammer is just my name. Um, it just spelled out at Teresa Lujan. And then Isaac is uh, High Country Addict. And then our, our business page is HCH Adventures, LLC. And that's on both on Facebook and Instagram. And then we also have a, a website and uh, yeah, we're just kicking things off. So we're hoping for a good season and to bring in some more clients next year. No, and that's awesome. I'm excited for you guys. Goes- Cause it's a huge process to get where you're at, yeah. you know, and become an outfitter and, you know, it's a whole different way of doing things. So I, we're going to have to recap. We'll get we'll get you guys through season, and then we'll get both of you on here, and we'll, we'll see if you still like it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So if we see if we still like each other and if we still like outfitting. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's a process. Like like I said, when we first started, that was when we were getting our callers from Plumtree. So it's yeah, it's been time. a minute. <laughs> I've been here yeah. five and a half. It's almost, well, it's over five and a half years now. It's crazy how fast time flies. Cause I remember you guys were one of my first customers too, in the beginning. Yeah. And, uh, so when you, when you, uh, switched over to W, I was like, well, I guess we got no choice. I like Jason. So <laughs> I'm going with him. Well, we appreciate it. I appreciate everybody <laughs> yeah. coming over. That was, I was a little nervous at first, you know, cause, uh, it's different. You know, it's a lot bigger business as far as there's more team members. There's a lot more customers. And I was really hoping that people would, would come over because I knew Buddy and Laura's mission and the company plan as far as, you know, the number one thing is customers. So I figured if that lined up, it'd work out. And thankfully, a lot of you guys came over <laughs> and we all appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, no, we're we're happy to be with W. I mean, Isaac said the other day when he got to, or when he talked to you, he's like, yeah, Jason said he's going to make sure that the the callers and the drive track get sent back so we have it for the hunt, and he's already using them today. So, oh, that's awesome! Customer service and and all that is definitely worth worth bragging about. So, well, tell him don't be so hard on equipment yeah, all the time. He's pretty rough on it. Oh, I know. <laughs> he, well, my drive track, I, I, I had bought the drive track for him um, 
last year, maybe the year before, and he had just gotten his 200i when it came out this past year, and he was um, really excited with that and kind of bathing it and, you know, being very, very careful with it. Well, he went out um, on one of those days that he caught those dry ground lions this summer. He was parking at the trailhead and getting the horses down and stuff, and he decided to put the drive track under the seat because he didn't want someone to see it and then try and spill it or something. So he put it under the seat. Well, then when he went to get in or or load stuff up in the truck, he needed to adjust it. Yeah, bad idea. when he went to roll the seat back, yeah, when he went to roll the seat back, he felt something. And then he just, like, forced it. And he was like, oh, once I forced it and I I heard it, I knew what it was. Oh, no. (laughs) That's the real story of what happened then. Yeah. That's what happened there. But... (laughs) It's replaced. You guys got it fixed, and it's working great. Oh, so. perfect. Well, you guys definitely stay in touch. We'll follow up. You know, and all the listeners out there, make sure to check out some of Teresa's work in the the Ambassador blog that we've got going on here. And uh, you guys, I hope you have a great first season. Go go enjoy it, and we'll touch base here after hunting season. Yeah, it was it was great catching up with you guys and. Like I said, we appreciate everything you do for us, supplying us with callers to uh, sending us the onesies and all that stuff. So yeah, that little girl's gonna be decked out. (laughs) Oh yeah, she already has a better wardrobe than me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks for taking some time today, uh, Teresa. Yeah, it was awesome talking to you. Thanks for having me. Hey, anytime. 